From Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. There's one narrative you're going to hear a lot for the next month and a half as we get ready for the NFL draft. And it plays into the way the Cowboys are building their team. There's a conversation about what you can and can't do with the running back position. But realistically, there's nuance to this conversation that a lot of people are forgetting. We're going to point it out here. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz hanging out with you. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And uh, Harry, I will say this every time we talk about the draft. You and I have had the honor of working on the NFL draft together uh, a couple of times over the last few years. This will be, I think, my sixth consecutive year hosting the digital show for the NFL Draft. Last year, over 10 million people watched our work in Vegas. I am immensely proud of the work that we do in the draft. Also, Candy and Carlin will be hanging out uh, doing the draft on radio for you. So ESPN Radio, ESPN Digital has you covered across the board. It's a great way to experience the draft. And I mention it because of something Dan Orlovsky talked about on Get Up this morning, ESPN NFL analyst. He was talking about the Cowboys getting Brandon Cooks. And I want you to hear this, Harry, because at the end of this, he talks about the next step for the Cowboys and what Brandy Cooks allows them to do that directly relates to our work on the draft. It's a huge addition. This is a great offseason for the Cowboys. It's, they've had the best offseason in the NFC East, and it automatically makes me think what's coming in the draft. You don't, you don't make this trade to get this piece to just add a solid player. You're making this trade for a late-round pick to add Brandon, Brandon Cooks to think, all right, we got to do something to draft to make a splash, make a move, throw a huge swing. They got three picks in the top 30. And I looked at B. John Robinson out of Texas. And this has been said by other people over the past couple weeks, but we're talking about a guy that basically is untackleable, couldn't get tackled in college football. And Harry, it, it brings us to the running back position because everybody says don't draft one. But, man, I don't think it's that simple, especially depending on where you're drafting and the value you can get long term by drafting the right guy even in the first round. Yeah, if you look at how, you know, the contracts are and if you get a guy in the first round, you're going to have him four years with the fifth year option. But not only that, with that fifth-year option, after that, you have a year of franchising. If you don't understand that, just look at Saquon Barkley with the New York football Giants, right? This is his sixth year. He got the franchise tag. He played on his fifth-year option last year, and now they're in that situation. Now, you look at the Dallas Cowboys. They have Tony Pollard, who got injured last year. So he's coming off an injury. They let go of Ezekiel Elliott. So hypothetically, I don't think Bijan Robinson is going to be there at 26 when the Cowboys pick, but let's just say hypothetically he is there. Now you have a guy, Bijan Robinson, that you draft who's going to add a running back who could run the football between the tackles, run the football in the outside zone. Not only that, he could be good in pass protection. He's going to force missed tackles. He's going to break tackles. And like Dan just mentioned, he's just a dynamic player that could do a lot of different things. He's going to be a pass catcher out of the backfield. You can line him up out wide and have him run routes or whatnot and do the whole nine. So let's just say he goes out and balls out this year and you franchise tag Tony Pollard and you don't want to pay Tony Pollard next year. Well, now you got B. John Robinson – for six years, essentially, you got him four years on the contract. You could pick up his fifth year option, and now you can franchise him for that one year. And if you don't want to do anything with him after that, then you're off the hook. But you you're guaranteed six years with a player that's dynamic, that's explosive, that's going to help your football team to pair him along with C.D. Lamb. Also, you know, 
Ferguson at the tight end position, uh, Hendershot at the tight end position, uh, and the rest of the guys, Brandon Cooks that they just brought over, Michael Gallup. So I like this move if he's there. If he's not there, then they got to go offensive lineman. But if he's there, Dallas, you have to take him. Plus, Fitz, what state did um, B. John Robinson play in? No, deep in the heart of Texas. Texas. What does Jerry Jones love to do? Make what? Not money. Money. You know how many more people would buy product with B. John Robinson's name on it mm-hmm. because he's stayed right there in the state of Texas? I mean, it's a br- brilliant idea. You, brilliant you're, move. You're a thousand percent right. And this is why something you hear all the time during the draft at the at the end of the first round, we always talk about the possibility somebody's going to trade up from the second round into the end of the first round to get the extra year on a quarterback's contract. I think you apply that same logic to a running back. If I can trade up a little bit and it doesn't cost me a ton and I can get a running back at the very end of the first round, this is what I'd say. I love your Saquon example. I'll use Josh Jacobs also. Both of them franchised at about, uh, let's say, $10.5 million, called $11 million for this year. Well, over the course of six years, as you're pointing out, you're basically saying, hey, if your guy turns out to be a world beater, if your guy turns out to lead the league in rushing and all-purpose yards, and you're just pinned in and you got to keep him for one more year, it costs you about $1.5 million a year extra for the duration of the entire contract. That's nothing for an NFL. Like, when you start looking at the analytics specifically – of money, and you say, okay, worse is like risk versus reward. If this guy turns out to be everything you could ever want, I got to give him another $10 million, which is about $1.5 million a year over the course of that six years. That's pennies on the dollar. That's why I think it makes so much sense. Now, does it make sense necessarily to move a bunch of equity and get your way up in the second round? Uh, you know, frankly, uh, or up in the first round, I should say, to get uh, to get somebody like Bijan Robinson over the rest of the running backs. I don't know, but you want to tell me right now after one season, and it's only one season, but you want to tell me the Seahawks aren't looking at Kenneth Walker and say, "Man, that option year would be really nice." Because what what you're going to do is just run these guys until they got nothing left in their legs. Avoid paying them and move on. Like, I I don't love saying that, but that's just the reality of the situation. So if you're the Seahawks, you got one great year so far out of Kenneth Walker. Uh, your best case scenario is he gives you three more great years and then you have to franchise him. So even at that, you know, it was worth the re- it was worth the risk to take Kenneth Walker in the second round. But if you could get him in the first round and get an extra year on it, I think that's why Bijan Robinson makes absolute sense. And he's not the only – I think he's the only one that's going to go in the first round. But there are running backs, certainly. Like, if I have to make the choice between paying Tony Pollard or getting one of these kids in the draft, I don't know that there's a big win on that above replacement. Well, here's another scenario for Dallas. What if Dallas could move out of 26 and move down as far as possible and potentially take Jameer Gibbs? Right. You see what I'm saying? So it, it's Jameer Gibbs is another stud guy who can do it in the pass game and rushing the football as well. So it, you, you got another dyna- dynamic player. He was able in college to do it on returns, catching the football in the backfield, and rushing. So that's another dynamic guy that Dallas could, could, could potentially be looking at. Yeah, Jameer Gibbs, running back out of Alabama, a lot of people are in love with. And you're right. It speaks, too, to the type of running back that is worth it. And that's the type of running back that can do a lot of different things. You know, and that's uh, what what's funny about the running back position overall right now is if you are a hybrid. A few years ago, it was so rare to see an Alvin Kamara-type running back come out. Yep. Now it feels like everybody is some version of an Alvin Kamara-type running back. It's somebody that, you know, can help you run in the football, somebody that can slide out, and somebody that can give you Chris 
Christian McCaffrey like diversity is what everybody's looking for from the running back position. So if you're one of the guys that can do that, if you can also return kicks, if you can be sort of a jack of all trades at the running back position, it, it's worth getting some like I'll almost go back to the college football world. And you, you know this. So, well, when you look at the recruiting numbers, there was a, a period where they stopped talking about quarterbacks and they just started defining them as athlete, A-T-H, in the record. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hey, this guy can be a lot of different things. He's an athlete. That's the same thing at the running back position. The guys that can do a lot of things that are just an athlete are guys that are still going to have value in the first round. But and we're talking about the Dallas Cowboys, right? Isn't that how Tony Pollard started shining, though? Mm-hmm. Able to do returns, able to take a screen pass the distance for a touchdown, able to be flexed out and catch the ball, able to run the ball effectively for the quarterback, able to do a lot of different things. And I think if you're a running back, that's the type of back that you have to be. You can't just, hey, I'm going to run between the tackles and, you know, burst for a run. No. You got to be good in protecting the quarterback, in protection where you're back there. You got to be good re- catching the football in the backfield, but also you got to be a stud running the football and being able to take it the distance. That's the kind of running back that's in the National Football League that these teams, that these organizations, the front offices are valuing because they can do a multiplicity of different things versus just being a one trick pony. And this is something we have to think in, about when we look at roster construction because the teams in the league are certainly looking at the draft and where they think they can find value. Part of the reason some teams I think have looked at the tight end position differently in free agency is there's a lot of talented tight ends coming up. So part of the reason guys like Tony Pollard uh, may not necessarily have this the, the the market they want, or even why it makes sense to franchise a Josh Jacobs and a Saquon is that you can you can franchise them, you can get everything you need out of them for one year, and by then you'll know if you've got your new guy, and your new guy is going to be the, uh, the the person that sort of takes over. That's just it is. I use this baseball term all the time, but really is like wins above replacement at the running back position, and there aren't many guys that stand out as having it. Uh, it go ahead, Eric. You, you want to know another dynamic one? No, you yeah. look at Kenny McIntosh from the University of Georgia, right, who last year had 43 receptions for 500 yards and two touchdowns. He gets it. He understands that he just can't be a one-trick pony that's rushing the football effectively, and we all know Georgia loves to run the football. But he was the third leading receiver on Georgia's team last year. You had Brock Bowers, you had Ladd McConkie, and then Kenny McIntosh, a running back. You see it with Austin Eckler out there with, with the Chargers. Had over 100 receptions last year. You have to have more than one dynamic to your game from that position if you want to be valued. Because they're already going to disvalue you as it is because you're labeled a running back. So you have to be able to do a lot of different things from that position. The more you talk about it, the more it becomes clear to me the Cowboys have made it very clear what they're looking for in the draft. They obviously looked at the wide receiver position and said, hey, we can't find what we need in the draft the way we can with Brandon Cooks. Worth it. But that means that we're going to be willing to look at the draft to replace the running back. All of this is like a little bit of a chess piece to what they might be doing in April, and I think the Cowboys just gave us a good answer. All right, one NFL team has filled every single need that they had. So what does that mean for the playoff hopes? We'll tell you next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Just to tell your smart speakers to play ESPN Radio. Hang out with us there also. It's an NBA primetime doubleheader. First in Dallas, the Mavs welcome the Golden State Warriors. Then in L.A., the Lakers face the Phoenix Suns. Coverage begins Wednesday at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Presented by Indeed. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
on the top stories in sports. Guys, huge news over here. To the bottom. This is it. Rock bottom. This is 3 Up, 3 Down with Fitz and Harry. You know the drill, 3 Up, 3 Down. We're going to give you some things we're positive about and some things we're negative about from the weekend in sports. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. Get a business insurance quote online in as little as six minutes. Visit ProgressiveCommercial.com. All right, Harry, uh, you get to be the beacon of positivity in a light, light world while I am the prince of darkness today. So you're going to give us something you're up on. I'll give us something we're down on. Are you ready, sir? Let's do this. All right, let's go. Number one. Number one is the Detroit Lions in revamping their secondary, particularly signing C.J. Gardner-Johnson, a guy who's a ball hawk. He can play over the nickel position. He can go, go, back, go back and play safety, can blitz off the edge. He blink, brings that pavado, that toughness to your defense. We've seen him last year with the Philadelphia Eagles and what he meant to them, but also they signed Cam Sutton and also Emmanuel Mosley. They identified and understood what was one of the issues on their defense. It was, it was their pass defense. They made it a point in free agency to sure that up. So shout out to the Detroit Lions, Fitz. That is a great up. I'm I'm down on whatever's happening right now in studio. Now look, I'm gonna fourth wallet here. For some reason, there's weird still shots being uh, pumped through the studio from our show earlier, including like I don't know. I've now seen Evans O face, which I'm down on. I'm down on this completely. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, they they also had a weird look at you, Harry. I, I don't know what's happening right now, but the computer monitors, the, the monitors in the studio showing us what apparently uh, what they still have left over in the watch uh, in the app. Everybody is just completely walked. I say one thing about a no face and everybody walks out on the show. I don't know what's happening here. Uh, while we're talking about things I'm down on, I made my uh-oh face because I've been, you know, I've been doubling down on the XFL. Uh, great teams win. Uh, good teams win. Great teams cover. Houston has been doing me right every single game. So imagine my surprise this weekend when I was busy with March Madness hanging out, I just cockily went to my app to sit there and figure out how much money I made off Houston only to find out that the Roughnecks finally lost a game, did not cover, and I lost a bunch of money. So I'm out on Houston now. Uh, Can't have nice things. I was already out on their helmets. Now I'm out on the team overall for costing me an uncomfortable amount of cash. That's my first down. First time. They got their first loss, so they can be down. I'm down on Houston this week. Got to earn my love and respect back, Houston. That's all I have to say. Uh, Harry, why don't you give us something else Number two. Number two. It's the potential matchup between the Golden State Warriors and the Memphis Grizzlies in the first round. See, these two teams played again this weekend, Fitz, and I'm going to call them the Dillinator. The Dillinator was wide open and wide awake, and he said he has a lot of real estate in the Bay Area because he's in the minds of the the Golden State Warriors. So I want to see this matchup. Because this is a rivalry now, and I understand it might be a little lopsided and the playoffs, the Golden State Warriors have been able to have success and win NBA championships. But I love the direction this is going and these players and these two teams not liking one another. So I want to see this matchup in the first round. Oh, I actually like that one a lot. I would be in for the matchup on that in the first round, too, because it builds suspense, and it means that we wait longer till we get the inevitability of KD versus the Warriors. Like, give me all of this. Inject it into my veins. I want it. I like that up a lot, uh, but it's my job to be down. So I'm now going to give you another thing that I'm down on, and it's one uh, Kentucky basketball and Coach Cal. 
Uh, we talked a little bit about this earlier, but to make sure that everybody understands, for the third straight season, Kentucky did not make the Sweet 16. It's longest drought since a four-year stretch between 06 and 09. In fact, this is the second NCAA tournament since expansion without Kentucky, Duke, or North Carolina in the Sweet 16. All of this happened, though, in a way where they were flat-out beat. It wasn't one of those, oh, my gosh, how did that happen? It was one of those, why are they playing like this games, where Kansas State looked like the better athletes. They looked like they cared more. They played with more power. They played with more toughness. They out-hustled. They out-worked. Noel uh, absolutely was a beast in this game. But most importantly, everything about the tone through all of it, Calipari needs to understand that it used to be good enough that you were just Coach Cal, and it used to be good enough that you were Kentucky. This year's tournament, I think, is a start of the chapter of the next generation of college basketball, where name, image, and likeness has absolutely changed the playing field across the board. You will have less dominance from the Blue Bloods while new Blue Bloods assert themselves. Coach Cal, not part of that conversation right now because, frankly, he's not doing a good enough job. Kentucky's not doing a good enough job to be seen as anything more than a mid-level college basketball program, and I am down on what that means for the sport. Shame on you, Kentucky. I love it. Look at me, just throwing shade. Also, go go Louisville. I don't really have a dog in the fight, but uh, since uh, <laughs> that's since my bro, host, that's what just, I'm talking I'm about. Baby. It in. All right, go Louisville. All right, number you- three. Number three up for me. I'm gonna go to women's basketball. Yes, I want to shine some light on women's basketball, but for the LSU program, since Kim Mulkey's come over there, they have been able to play at a very very high level. But that's not who I want to highlight. I want to highlight the one and only Angel. Reese, because she had 25 points and 20, I think it was 24 or 25 rebounds. That is phenomenal to do at any level, to any level, Fitz, whether it's high school, whether it's AAU basketball, whether it's college basketball, whether it's women's basketball, the NBA, WNBA, 25 points, 25 plus rebounds. That is phenomenal. So shout out to Angel Reese. And she does it with an attitude that I love. I think her teammates feed off her her tenacity and her passion for the game. So I just want to show her some love today in LSU basketball. I love every single ounce of that. By the way, the women's tournament uh, so far, we're still all eyes on South Carolina. It's funny, everybody keeps asking who's going to beat South Carolina. I keep asking, should we just appreciate a team that's undefeated and has a real shot at being an undefeated champion as well? I've got to finish with something else down, and I'm going to go to the NBA for my last down, and it's George Carl. George George Carl decided to criticize Joel Embiid by saying, and this is a quote that he tweeted out, he has lazy body language. Mm. Now, we're sitting here in a world in a world where there's the honest and real conversations about Embiid and his run towards the MVP. We got George Carl, who just feels like every once in a while he wants to come in and just stir things up for the sake of stirring things up, saying that Joel Embiid has lazy body language. I don't even know what I'm supposed to make of that from somebody that is playing the way that Embiid is playing. But I will remind everybody that Rick Carlisle, the Pacers head coach at his presser, said this about Joel Embiid. Embiid is probably the MVP with what their team is doing and, and how he's just elevated his game. He, he's as difficult a guy to game plan for as there is in the game. I mean, Giannis is crazy ridiculous. You know, Jokic is same. And this guy may be even more difficult, you know, if, if that's possible. I don't know why, Harry, we live in a world where so many of the greats in the past of college ba- or college of NBA basketball are looking to tear down the greats of the current 
I don't understand it. It makes no sense to me. Right now, it feels like the sport is trying to constantly tear down the sport instead of letting everybody build up the new generation for the greatness that they show and how well they play the game. We rarely hear NFL legends from 20, 30 years ago coming out and sitting here telling you why Patrick Mahomes isn't good enough. But in the NBA, it feels like that's all anybody wants to do. For George Carl to come out and criticize Joel Embiid's body language is absolutely asinine to me. Well, let me say this to George Carl, just in case he hasn't watched the last nine or ten games of the 76ers. But Joel Embiid, 31 points, 38 points, 36 points, 34 points, 39 points, 39 points, 42 points, 31 points, 35 points. I don't give a damn if your body language is language. If you're putting up those type of numbers, keep doing what you're doing. Joel Embiid. Yeah, not everybody has to play the same way, too. I, it's just so much of what George My Carl goodness. has said is just constantly problematic, and this is another example of it. All right, uh, Three Up, Three Down is brought to you by My Computer Career Training for a Better Life. We had a controversial end of a March Madness game over the course of the weekend, and it has led to great debate about how games should finish. We'll debate it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. FAU defended and locked in down the stretch. They won this game with defense down the stretch. Really impressive. Florida Atlantic ends the FDU run. It was an incredible run, and we're, we're proud of what we did. Sound courtesy of Westwood One NCAA Radio Network. Ooh, we got controversy. Not in the outcome, but in the way it all went down. That's right. Everybody was sitting there glued to their TVs for FAU versus FDU. Well, most people had no idea where Fairleigh Dickinson even was as a college. People suddenly got fired up about the end of that game. Question is, is it worth it? Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. Five seconds left. Outcome no longer in doubt. FAU up 78-70. Guard Elijah Martin had the ball. No one defending him. Went for a flashy 360-degree windmill dunk. He missed it. Everybody started to boo him. Everybody reacted. Now, we did get context earlier, Harry, from Jordan Cornette that pointed out, I think, importantly in this conversation that uh, FDU wasn't just upset about that. There had been several minutes of uh, sort of incidents leading up to it, not the least of which was a timeout that involved some trash talking from a player to the coaching staff. So this was like the straw that broke the camel's back. Everybody freaked out about it. But you're the former athlete here. I mean, what do I know about being an athlete unless you want to count Madden? So, you know, when you're watching this go down the end of the game, uh, you got a windmill dunk when a game's uh, totally locked up. What was your reaction? You can't do it. And I get it, man. You know, guys are competitors. They're excited. They, you know, they want to end on a high note. But the respect of the game you can't do this. And I don't care what was going on between the two players the, or, or you know, the two teams during the game, uh, what little bickering and beat they may have had. It's just not a good look in my eyes. Just dribble the ball out, go on about your celebration, go on about your win, and move on to the Sweet 16. That That's my personal thought. 
Uh, but everyone has their own opinion. Everyone has their own thoughts. But that's how I felt about it. I felt, you know, you didn't have to end. If you're going to end with a 360 dunk and try to do it, can you at least make the damn dunk and not miss the dunk? If you're going to do it, can you at least make it? Uh, a question. Can I just go ahead and hop on a flight and uh, and hug you down in Atlanta? Because you're obviously soft, and I need something cuddly at this point. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I can't believe I just said that. You can savage tell. mode. I'm, I'm, I see you're, I'm, I'm today. you're in savage mode. Okay, Look, okay. I'm, I'm just. I, I watched it and I thought, man, go out there and have a good time. You're right. Is it the sportsmanlike thing to do? No. Would I have had a problem with the hard foul and retaliation with it? No. But there's just this moment to me, and and I really, I, I mentioned this to you earlier, but I found myself just in my feels all weekend long, like I was having this nostalgic moment watching all these kids play, where I just thought about how much you work and how much sacrifice goes to getting there and like how this memory is just something locked in for life and everybody that everybody sits there and says well act like you've been there before how the hell are you gonna know how to act like they've been there before if you've never been there before so like there is this moment to me where you are you're about to go to the sweet 16 you got all the adrenaline in the world you go for a 360 dunk was it was it the best look maybe not but i didn't really have a huge i, I didn't have any problem with it because kids are out there having a good time playing ball like I, I know that's an oversimplification and you're right respect to the game should matter and, and I think does matter in this process, but also just, I mean, I don't know. My first time on, on a huge stage when I, when I was younger, I, I didn't know how to handle it. Like I just wanted to go out there and have a good time. Like I, I don't, I don't fault a kid for going out there, just getting lost in the moment and having some fun. Well, here's, here's my thing. I mean, they're acting like they beat number one Purdue, which fairly Dickinson was able to do, but you're going against a 16 seed, right? Who got to the NCAA tournament because the team that they lost to in their conference tournament weren't able to go because they got moved up to D1 and they had to wait four years before they actually got there. So if you're FAU, like, is, is that the moment to do it in, really? Like, if you're, like that, that's what I'm saying, though, Fitz. But also have class. Respect the game of basketball. I understand that you haven't been there before. But Fairleigh Dickinson got there because an opponent that they had in the conference tournament couldn't, go, couldn't get there. Yeah. Well... Man, I, I don't know. I think the hard part for me, because uh, I hear you, like you didn't go out there and beat Purdue. Right? You beat the 16 seed. But you still, you're going to the Sweet 16. For most of these kids, the con- if you would have gone, if you just sat down a month ago, three months ago, six months ago, and a year ago, and talked to Florida Atlantic kids and said, hey, man, you're going to the Sweet 16. They'd, they'd have laughed at you. And how many of these kids worked their entire life for an opportunity to play at the biggest level, didn't get recruited where they wanted to go, didn't get the scholarships where they wanted to go, didn't get the respect from the people along the way that they wanted to get, and now they're sort of stuck in this situation there and making the most of it, but really wanting this opportunity to show the world you were wrong about me, you missed on me, I can play at a level you may not understand. I like I get it. They did go 33-3 thir- uh, and three this season, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they did win a lot. They, they won a lot. So now let me ask you a question. Sweet 16 that's going to be played in New York, Madison Square Garden, you know, that you might be going to. Oh, I mean, if somebody Tennessee, get me tickets. Okay. If Tennessee decides that they're winning that game decisively and they want to do, you know, a, 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 a pass off the backboard, windmill dunk, is it okay for Tennessee to do it yes. to them? Yeah, 100%. I love that. No, it. it's not, bro. Look, it's I, not I mean, serious. No, like, it's not. We live in no, a world where, like, the, I mean, we live in no, a world it's not. where fans are allowed to run on the field, rip the goalposts out, take it down the street, and throw it in the river after a regular season win over Alabama that doesn't lead to a national championship for Tennessee. So why am I going to allow fans to act stupid but not allow the players on the court to act stupid if they want to in the process of going to the Elite Eight? Like, I just— Now, now we're comparing apples to oranges. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I, 
I find seriously, this is not a conversation. I'm not saying this to you because I got so much respect for the fact that you played the game. I think it's funny that a bunch of people that the most qualified they'll ever be to speak on this, they've been the fan. They are the fan that is charging the field after every win. That same fan is the one that's watching this saying, well, that's not sportsmanlike. Uh, act like you've been there before. That's the same The same person yelling this on Twitter is the same damn person you know that's going to charge the court after a regular season win oh, that doesn't really mean that much. So, like, that to me feels like the ultimate hypocrisy from the fan. Not like you're a former player. Former player, different cam- conversation. But for fans to come out and have any issue with this, man, like, fans don't act like they've been but, there before. And, and I'm not going to sit here and say I don't get it because FAU, they're excited, right? You're, you're about to go to the Sweet 16, and, you know, you're in, you're in the moment. But still, there, there are also ways to do things because if the tables are turned, you know, FAU's probably going to feel some type of way yeah. if the tables are turned. Uh, well, uh, one thing I'm, I'm sure of – is that I'm trying every avenue to get in Madison Square Garden. I mean, I, I, I've tried everything. I hit up Justin, Craig, uh, he, uh, no no go, no help there. Uh, I've now got a note out to the uh, sports and information director in Michigan. I'm trying everything. Uh, you know what? You need to go to the game and cover it for our show. So you need a media pass because you need to be there covering the game because, see, I can't be there because i got to work games for the XFL. So at least one of us, somebody needs to be there. For that. Well, and Devin, I heard that the uh, sports and information director for Michigan State uh, is a fellow oh, Bonnie. It's a Thursday game. He went to St. Bonaventure's, right? He's a Bonnie. Max Carey, yeah. Oh, right. So so you're, you're buddies with. with uh, I don't know him. We think we follow each other on Twitter, but yeah, I don't know him personally, but seems okay. like a good dude. So, um. Oh, you want well, me to put I'm a little... it out there in the air? You need to be there to cover the game for our show, right? Which has a platform nationally. Look at this. I mean, you fits. need to be there for our show. Well, Devin, Devin I mean, I, I'll go if you guys I need want me to. Sure. Producer too. Like we, yeah. Can, well, we'll just take the whole show down to New York. We can do it from Seaport. In terms right? of Bonaventure, you might want to go Woj first, and then you know he could probably probably help you out too. Do, uh, okay, just just putting myself in Woj's shoes. I'm sitting there. I'm Woj. I get a text. I pull it up. Is it from a front office? No. Is it from an NBA player? No. Is it from a team owner? No. It's from Fitz saying, "Hey man, got any pull that can get me into the Garden?" I hear that the SID for Michigan State's also a Bonnie grad. Do you think Woj blocks me at that point, or does he just erase <laughs> me from his phone book? I think he would help you out. Honestly, okay. I do. The college basketball season's winding down. That means that the Wendy's Wooden Watch has begun. Go to ESPN.com, search Wooden Watch for the list of the Wooden Award nominees to watch as the NCAA tournament rolls on. Brought to you by Wendy's, two for six bucks, the best deal in fast food. If you've been doing that throughout the course of the season, you would have been the smartest guy in the sports park because a lot of the people you see going off during these games have been on the Wendy's Wooden Watch. Also, Wendy's, I love you, and I love your junior bacon cheeseburgers and Frosties. Uh, All right, is Lamar Jackson taking a page from Aaron Rodgers' playbook? And more importantly... Will it work? We'll answer it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Find the top products and quantities you need when you need them. Lowe's knows pros. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. One, two, three. 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 Three is a magic number. 
I think it's going to be important to hear from him because that's been missing from this whole equation. When was the last time we heard from Lamar Jackson? Like December? You know, he missed the last however many games of the season. He wasn't doing weekly media availabilities. We have no idea. I mean, I, I know from back channels, I, I, I think he's unhappy about being franchised and, and, and eager to talk to other teams. But, yeah, we don't know for sure what exactly he's thinking about the Ravens right now, about where else he might want to be. I think anything he says will have value because it's been missing from this equation. We're trying to figure out what's going to happen with this situation. But Lamar Jackson, without an agent, you know, hasn't spoken on this yet. And once he does, I think it'll move the story along. Three hours later. On his Instagram, Lamar Jackson has teased an exclusive interview with himself coming to his YouTube page that will be released soon. And it has value, certainly, to us. But it means nothing to his contract, and it means nothing to where he is headed. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. Now, Lamar Jackson's going to speak, and, and Harry, that means we're going to listen to every single word. Just like every time Aaron Rodgers sits down to speak, we listen to every word because he's speaking to Pat McAfee in an amplified way, and people pay attention. The difference here that I think everybody needs to remember is that because Lamar Jackson was non-exclusive franchise tagged, any team can talk to him right now. So the concept that Lamar's going to speak means that you and I will have something to react to. We'll have his information, his side of the story. But it doesn't change anything in the contract situation simply because if a team is truly interested in Lamar Jackson, they don't need to go to his YouTube. They can simply call him, and that's a huge difference. Well, here's the thing. My logic is why wouldn't they call him? Because you can ask him anything you want to ask him. You can ask him how much money he's asking for. You can ask him what's his mindset when it comes to the organization of the Ravens. You can also ask him what color is his favorite. <laughs> you can ask him what does he like to do on his free time. So all these teams probably lined up and everyone waiting to hear from Lamar Jackson. I do understand your logic, though, Fitz. Why not just reach out to him and see what he's thinking? But uh, from Lamar Jackson's standpoint, and originally in our show, I was like, well, why would Lamar Jackson do this? But it has become clear for me uh, – through Evan and also you, it's probably great for Lamar Jackson to get his side of things out, right? To 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 say a lot of things that he hasn't been able to say because we haven't heard much from him. So I understand what Lamar Jackson is doing here now. Uh, at first, I had the questions about it, but I, I, I get it. I get it. You want to get your side of the story uh, uh, of things out. You also want to let people know what's your mindset on things and what you're thinking in regards to moving forward, whether it's with the Baltimore Ravens or when it comes to contract talks. So I think it's a brilliant move from Lamar Jackson now that I have some time to think about it. I do think, to your point, Harry, that it leads to the possibility of pressure being added to. Like, if Lamar comes out and says, look, guys, here's what I'm asking for. And I don't think it's out of line. Here's what I turned down. If he comes out truly transparently and he gives us all of the information of where he stands, it will create pressure if it's suddenly not the astronomical numbers we heard, right? Like if we find out that he's not asking for 250 fully guaranteed million dollars on a contract, if he comes out and says, no, all I'm asking for is this. Well, I could see at that point, Ravens fans might feel some some kind of way about it. It could create pressure within social media and the fan base of several teams looking at it and saying, well, why wouldn't you give that up for Lamar Jackson? He could create 
pressure in conversation. I just think that if, for example, my beloved Raiders were really interested in Lamar Jackson, they're not sitting around reloading his YouTube page. They're not hitting refresh trying to look for him to speak. They're just calling him, which I would imagine teams have already done. Now, our insiders say that that really hasn't happened, so maybe this is part of the the push to change the narrative. I just think if a team has the opportunity to talk to Lamar, they're interested in Lamar, they haven't talked to him, and they're waiting to hear from him on YouTube to do that, that seems like bad business. That seems like a dumb way to do business for well, a football and team. I, and I understand a lot of people, mine may be boggled from the simple fact that Lamar Jackson hasn't been offered from anybody, but I will you know, reiterate that it's still early in this process. And uh, I think the sooner we get towards the draft and the sooner we start to get towards you know, off-season uh, training and also training camp, these teams that need a quarterback that aren't able, what that weren't able to get one, or they feel a certain way, or, but not, or injuries may start to play into to, to account when you get to these off uh, off, off season uh, training assessments. Now the need for a quarterback is going to be a lot more logical for these teams, in which it should have already been logical, because there are a ton of teams I can say out there and point to that need a guy like Lamar Jackson. But I get it. I get it. They got to do their due diligence and understand uh, money-wise what, what the money that he's looking for. Also, do they have the draft compensation? Because that plays a part in all this as well. But for Lamar Jackson to be a unanimous MVP uh, winner in his prime, to be in this stage right now that he's in, it, it's mind-blowing to me. But it's still early in the process. Yeah, and, and to that point, I think the draft is also going to play a big portion of it. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. When you think about teams that might be going into the draft saying, okay, let's see what the quarterback situation shakes out like. If we love one guy, does he follow mm-hmm. us? If he doesn't follow us? like We have to understand that Lamar Jackson has, from the outset of all of this, made it clear that he's playing the long game. So waiting an extra month to get what he wants is not a big deal when you've been waiting two years to get what you want from the Ravens. I think that's an important context part of this. By the way, uh, we have a Woj bomb. Uh, Woj and Pete Thamel reporting some breaking news. Iona's Rick Pitino has agreed on a six-year deal to become St. John's coach. He's expected to be introduced at a press conference at Madison Square Garden at noon on Tuesday. He's taken three schools to the Final Four. Providence, Kentucky, Louisville won national titles at Kentucky and Louisville. So uh, he's going to be moving into a new role with St. John's, a team that I think is looking at New York as an opportunity to be able to better recruit. They will get somebody that is known as a great recruiter. They're going to make that program immediately prominent. You know Coach Patino obviously well yeah. from Louisville. Well, actually went to the national championship that they won at Louisville right here at the Georgia Dome. And uh, his pressing defense, his style of play, fast-paced, you know, athletic guys, guys who can shoot the three, it's going to be warranted at, at St. John's, and those are the type of guys he's going to be able to recruit as well. St. John's uh, really have been looking for a coach like Rick Pitino to get their program back back up to square with the rest of the big dogs. The only thing worse than being bad in college basketball is being irrelevant. When Rick Pitino is your coach, you are always relevant. He will do that for any program he joins. So now let's see. Uh, what that means for them moving forward. In the meantime, I can promise you that Kenny and Carlin will keep you updated on all of the news as it continues to break. Thanks for hanging out with Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.